Welcome to the Lion's Roar Dharma Center podcast from Dona Darge Temple. This public talk by Lama Yeshe Jinpa was recorded during a regularly scheduled Sunday morning service. The title of the talk is talking about retreats and monasteries, but um, there's also uh, some inner teachings about that and why that's a subject. As we chanted in the Heart Sutra, uh, we want to develop wisdom. <clears throat> the wisdom is to see things as they are. But how are things? <laughs> uh, in our tradition, we say uh, it's not just all oneness, and it's not all disconnected either. Uh, it's interdependent. Uh, in fact, it's, it's empty of oneness. It's empty of two-ness. Um, uh, but it's interesting, the Heart Sutra isn't totally nihilistic, is it? It says, not this, not this, not this. It just focuses on the wisdom, doesn't it? So in our tradition, we really focus on uh, the wisdom, the knowing, the knowing mind. We can say a lot about reality, but if no one knows it or we don't act on it, what difference, okay? So we have to wake up. Um, the knowing uh, subject is, um, to use that term, is, is the most important. The individuals that wake up are, are important. We can't just say, well, it's all empty, or it's all good, or it's all interdependent without uh, developing the wisdom ourselves. We won't be able to manifest it. So we actually have to do the practice. So I really appreciate people are willing to do the practice and the training today and in their lives. <clears throat> the Buddha discovered that we learn and we experience through contrast. If all things are one, uh, we will develop absorption states, right? We can, we can do absorption states. Uh, jhana states, sometimes they're called in some traditions, or dhyana states, or formless uh, meditations going to the form and formless worlds. Uh, we can experience very uh, vast, open uh, states, but uh, they're basically um, developed uh, on oneness. So it's focusing on, on one thing. And he did a lot of his practice and then decided this isn't quite it. Just waking up to oneness or just focusing on one thing um, doesn't work. And he also focused on many different things and found that uh, that just disconnected uh, knowledge didn't work either. Just collecting information didn't work. He noticed that it's the balance um, of contrasting um, experiences uh, that uh, is uh, the way things are and is the wisdom mind. I'm not a um, neurologist or neurobiologist person, but I, I like reading that stuff. And uh, I think at least about the philosophy and the psychology of perception. So we know that if we pay attention to just one thing forever and ever, we just turn it out, right? Or if something's kind of constant, we turn it out, so turn it off. We, we need to experience contrast. We need to kind of have our eyes move and our ears move 
and we need to compare things. The difficulty is that sometimes the contrast becomes too overwhelming and we get flooded, and that's trauma, right? Too much. Um, then other times uh, we get kind of hypnotized into oneness states and, and we're in this kind of uh, blankness. <clears throat> so uh, in our tradition, in Zen 2, Vipassana, all the traditions, uh, all the teachers are always ranting about uh, dwelling in blankness because it, it feels so good when we're just kind of in that very neutral territory and it almost feels like, well, this is it. Um, because it's so different than trauma, where too much is happening. It's so nice when things are simple and nothing's happening. Um, but in that place, is not uh, essential wisdom mind, and we can't really help people from that place. So actually, we need a balance of uh, oneness and a balance of change, or diverse things. Uh, and the Buddha called that the middle way, the wisdom of the middle way. <coughs> It's just a little difficult to achieve that balance on our own. We, we do need some uh, instruction, just like we need instruction in language. Uh, we need instruction in how to ride a bicycle, very elementary things we need uh, instruction on. So that's why we have temple or shedras or monasteries. But the, the essential thing is there's this uh, necessary balance between things that move and things that don't move. And we need to have those two line up together and see them at the same time. That's difficult because usually we're switching. We go from just, I just want to pay attention to oneness and then that's done. And then I'll go leave my meditation seat and then I've got a million tasks to do and the two don't relate to each other. (laughs) Or they say, well, I'm going to try to bring oneness into my everyday life or this nice feeling into everyday life or I'm trying to bring everyday life into my meditation or something but you, you, you have to see both at the same time that's why the initial practice is important to um, have the right kind of mindfulness practice to begin with so uh, in our tradition the way we teach mindfulness or use Sanskrit shamatha as uh, mindfulness means uh, sati, sati, sati means not forgetting. So if we have something we're paying attention to, we don't forget we're paying attention to it. <coughs> uh, but there's another activity of mind. It's called, sometimes we translate in English, uh, introspection. And that, that uh, aspect of uh, mind notices the, not just that we're paying attention, but the quality of the attention. So whether it's strong or weak or uh, dull or vivid. So uh, I like calling it, (laughs) this is my joke, I like calling it bipolar mindfulness. (laughs) 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 Let's rescue bipolar as a nice word, okay? So so they're actually, you know, the the sati, the not forgetting is, is kind of, uh, the metaphor is you, you actually have a string that's attached to the uh, what we're paying attention to and you keep the kind of string a, li- a little taut through the introspection. So the string is tied. You've done that. Okay, I have a string. But a lot of times the string will get kind of slack, right? Well, and, and so the introspection is, well, oh, it's getting a little slack. 
but sometimes it gets a little bit tight and we're getting all stiff and you know and then okay loosen up so um, there, there are these like two fundamental aspects of mind or knowing or wisdom that uh, we have to attain some kind of mastery on so uh, there's uh, you know, a lot of good mindfulness work in psychology and in Dharma now um, in the West, but uh, lots of times uh, uh, it's unipolar mindfulness. <laughs> so uh, uh, it has it has a certain weakness because um, uh, there's not the aspect of paying attention to the quality of it. <clears throat> so there, we need to see the contrast. In other words, <clears throat> so uh, you can't really talk about just one thing anyway. You, we also, whenever we use language, we also have to t- we also have to talk about two things, don't we? <laughs> so uh, you can't really, from our tantric tradition, even Mahayana tradition, you can't really even do unipolar mindfulness. You know, it's like, I don't know, I'd, I'd give someone 20 bucks if they could explain to me, what's unipolar bipolar work, you know? <laughs> I know, you know, it's like, what is that? You know, so like that, go to the DSM and you look it up, and I still don't, what is that? So, Afterwards, I'll give somebody twenty bucks. Somebody might be twenty bucks richer today. Well, here's okay. This is, this is like, this is bipolar, but it's bipolar too. So you're just depressed, but you're really bipolar. So, because <clears throat> uh, in our tradition, we discovered well, you can't really do just paying attention. You also have to pay attention to attention, right? So you're always doing two things. You can't really just do one thing. Uh, but we have to figure this out on our own. That's the journey. We, uh, we, we're somewhere in between creatures, so we can't pay attention to a million things at the same time, but we can't pay attention to one thing at the same time either. You have to experience it for yourself. You can't do a million things, but you also just can't do one thing. It's really weird. So... Uh, the Buddha said, this is the way things are because we have to pay attention to this interdependent thingy, which is um, this interesting contrast between uh, change and not change, moving and not moving. <clears throat> I don't know. Am I making sense? Honestly, if you're, not <laughs> if you're not doing any form of yoga training or mindfulness training, it probably doesn't make any sense, so I apologize. So, uh, but, why, why talk philosophy for Dharma talk? This is, this is yogi shop talk. We should be talking actually about the practice. So, today's topic is retreats and monasteries, and uh, the reason we need these is because we need to have some kind of change from whatever our so-called daily life is. <laughs> whatever, like, we have a saying in psychology, um, well, two sayings I'm fond of. Normal is someone you just don't know very well. Um, 
and normal is just a, a, a dial on your dryer, right? You, uh, so, uh, but uh, we need to see the contrast. The problem with uh, daily life practice, uh, as much as I advocate for it and do it myself, is that we tend to be, um, as another big word, confluent with our daily life. So it's very easy to think, well, I'm, being, I'm paying attention and I'm, I'm really, uh, it's really going well. <laughs> or it's really going terrible. You can be confluent with your own terribleness because your narrative is terrible and life is terrible, so it's confluent, right? You don't see any contrast, right? Your worldview is terrible, you know, disaster-oriented or something. And, you know, so it confirms. So we need to actually go to little special situations to see the contrast. And that's why, in our tradition, we try to make the meditation halls, um, the shrine the gump here, like a real contrast to outside world. I mean, we like art, and we like supporting artists, and we like supporting uh, kind of archetypal consciousness, so to speak. But it's really meant to be a contrast. So when you come in, it, it looks different. So you're kind of thrown back on yourself a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, other traditions sometimes uh, emphasize, like, you know, ordinary. Um, like, it's really ordinary. But actually, really, really ordinary is also a contrast, too, right? Like, if it's really simple, like if you walk into, like, Quaker Meeting Hall or something, nothing. Uh, pardon me? Yeah, sometimes the the uh, classic zendo is very plain, but um, since I've actually practiced in classic zendos and in Japan too, they're they're so Japanese they're still different, right? <laughs> you know, they're like this is really different. <clears throat> so we need the contrast. So when we leave here, we need go back home, and that needs to be different. But what you want to do is you want to be able to hold those two perceptions stable and balanced at the same time. So when you walk in here, hopefully front door or something, uh, you're kind of still in, you know, kind of ordinary thing, you know, driving around Sacramento, your car, whatever, and then you, you want to, like, feel like, oh, I'm not in Kansas anymore, or I'm not in Sacramento anymore. <laughs> it feels different. But you want to hold those two together, you see? So that's why uh, the um, Vajrayana, the Tibetan temples are so, and Thai, Thai temples too. Anybody been to Asia knows, like, there's no such thing as, like, unadorned Buddhism. <laughs> They're all like, dude. So, so you want to come in the front door and the, like, altar and the gold is kind of like, whoa, this is not normal. But you're still supposed to be holding from your side, conventional normal reality at the same time, so you notice the contrast. When you can hold those two, you're not abandoning one and going to the other, which is like turning over in bed, abandoning one position, going to the other, but you'd hold like, okay, I'm holding my kind of ordinary reality and this kind of um, enhanced reality or different reality at the same time with a certain kind of gap. I'm just using my hands, been hanging out with Italians, I have one at home too. So, 
you, <laughs> you don't <laughs> you don't like you don't stick them together. You they're kind of like spark plugs. You want your reality to be like spark your practice like a spark plug, like here and then here, and there's a, this little gap, and you're holding them like that, and then there's some little Frankenstein thing that happens. That zzz, and yeah, and that that's a little you know that's that's called like an experience. Okay, if, if it's the experience of a truth, then that's an insight. If you bring it into your daily life and stabilize it, that's called a realization. If it's just an experience and it doesn't lead you a truth, it's an interesting experience. We've all had really interesting experiences, right? But they didn't always lead to insights. But hopefully they will, right? But you want to hold them together like this, and then there's just naturally kind of like a little spark that happens. That's, that is the um, wisdom mind in the middle. So, <clears throat> stop here for a second. So, when we go to a monastery or treat center or even come to a temple, we, we, we know we're, we're going into a contrast and we want to be uh, ready for that. You, you, you want to hold on to your uh, conventional world and see a non-conventional, absolute world uh, at the same time. So, we, we need retreats and we need monasteries and we need temples or just something different. Maybe even going to the beach. That's still a little different, right? This feels different. <coughs> so, uh, I'd like some some discussion. Um, uh, if there's no questions, then it means you've got it all, which is really nice. Um, <laughs> So let me let me stop there, and then we're we doing microphones or something. Yeah. So it's so people can hear you, you know, like that. So it's okay to make complaints too. That's that's all right. So how would you do like a home retreat? And still create that contrast, That's so a that it question. doesn't just drop into like your ordinary everyday practice. Mm-hmm. People can hear the question, right? That's a good question. Uh, you, you set up a schedule, <laughs> okay? So um, the schedule is really important because usually we're not kind of on that much of a schedule. Usually. The schedule is, uh, you can stand okay, but uh, yeah, they're comfy. So usually we're kind of on a schedule, but it's usually a to-do schedule. But uh, a retreat, home retreat schedule means I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm going to stick to it. So there are times when you really like it and times when you don't like it. So it's going to cut through, you know, kind of like, oh, I need, I need, you know, another five minutes on this. Usually we'll just do it, give it to ourselves. But if you're on a schedule, you're going, oh, um, it's 12 o'clock, done, you know. So it, it, it's following the schedule. Following the schedule as home is, is hard because, well, we cheat. But, um, 
that that's the way to do it. You know, like just just the schedule. So one time when um, uh, you know I was doing uh, living at the Zen monastery, uh, one of the um, priests uh, who I liked a lot, he was uh, uh, Austrian and uh, been in World War II. <laughs> you know, it was like he'd been through a lot. You know, so conscripted by German army, then captured by the Russians, <laughs> and then Russian camp, and then eventually liberated. So I was always having a hard time. And he said, well, what's the most important thing? And I go, I don't know, waking up. And he go, no, love. <laughs> and then uh, what, what was the most second important thing do you think he said? The schedule. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it's good, right? Yeah, so a home retreat is, is the schedule like that. It's the same way at a, at a monastery, too. But then everyone's doing it, so it's easier. That's, right. yeah. Uh, yeah, so of course, Venerable Children's coming soon, and there are hard parts about monastery life, but if you just kind of, it's kind of like, okay, I'll just go with the schedule. Then, uh, it, it solves a lot, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Hi. You need... There you go. So when you go to different monasteries or retreat centers and you do whatever the retreat is for that period of time, something that I've always found very difficult is you come away with whatever experiential learning you've gotten from that, but... How do you, what's a good way to, because then it's really easy to go back to normalizing whatever the word was you said that just, you're back to your, you're not incorporating routine. what you've, yeah. yeah. Back to the routine. So what, what kind of words of wisdom do you have to help with maintaining that for any period of time? Yeah, keep showing up here. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, um, we have to make sure we uh, are scheduled to come to see one's teacher or uh, right very soon after retreat, you see. So uh, it's like, uh, you know, you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be discharged from the hospital until you have your outpatient uh, Appointment, right? Yeah. So, but that happens a lot, right? <clears throat> so we, that's, that's really important. You have it set up ahead of time. You, you don't wait until, you know, things are kind of, uh, you know, you feel yourself drifting a little bit. Yeah. It, it's hard because a lot of times we're feeling very uh, in a sensitive place, right? And we just want to... Um, hibernate a little bit sometimes? What do you think? Yeah. So, because uh, we're feeling very raw, but that, then we have to, but we have to make sure we're, we're reconnecting with, you know, the right kind of people. So, uh, you know, we don't, so the isolation afterwards is, is not good. <laughs> that makes sense though, right? Yeah. So, it's, tra- what, what's your name, sir? I can't remember. Philip, hi Philip. What's your question? 
you can ask. My question is, my yeah. question is, do you have, do you, do you do church every Sunday? Yep, we do. We're every Sunday. What about in the evening time? We're here every evening and morning. We're 24-7 almost now, right? You know, every, yeah. Yeah, it's good. That's good. Yeah, so this, the idea of the temple is like we want to be as available as possible. That's the thing. Yeah, that's a good question. Ellen's in the back. Yeah. Thanks for that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so uh, when you're transitioning from, say, outside life into coming into Lion's Roar, um, what should you be keeping in mind? What should your intention be? What kinds of mindset should you have? And vice versa. Uh, so... Um, Did we die here? I don't know. It's working? Okay. So uh, we, we have to get conscious of what our kind of ordinary consciousness, our ordinary sense of self is, because we kind of take that for granted. But you can have a, uh, an awareness or a critical sense of like, well, this is kind of my just ordinary working sense of who I am. And you, so we, that's conventional or relative reality, right? So we have to get really clear about that. So then, then we just know who that is. Uh, and that takes some work, because usually we're just kind of spaced out about it. You know, luckily we have a driver's license we could check. But usually we're kind of spaced out. We're a little, you know, wobbly. So we have a very clear, like, okay, this is my ordinary sense of self. And then when you do something contrasting, like mindfulness meditation or mahamudra, anything you do, then you, you, you can actually calibrate it. So you don't like you don't want to like ditch your ordinary sense of self. That's a huge mistake. You know, like I just trying to get rid of my ego. Well, we don't want to, you know. So I use the ego every once in a while, but actually, like that was a good thing in psychoanalysis. Like where it was, ego shall be, because ego is like self awareness, right? So uh, you know, we, we get we get it because one's very precise, the other's very precise. But in the middle, there's this gap. And that's uh, one way to talk about it is uh, the in-between world called the bardo. Rigid bardo. Like that, right? Easy, right? <laughs> like, like Uma Thurman. Uma means the middle, right? So that's really easy. Like Uma, central channel Uma. Yeah. So the in-between state um, is generally meaning like we've died <clears throat> between death, death and rebirth, right? But in-between states happening all the time because kind of one, on a conventional level, one thing's ending before another thing starts. So uh, that's a really important place to, you know, we're really paying attention to that gap. So it isn't like just the gap doesn't save you. It's like sometimes you listen to a podcast and just stay in the gap. You know, you actually have to kind of be interested in the gap. You see, you have to, like, notice. So that's why here in the temple, it's um, kind of interesting. People start a little project, and then they're not quite finished, or they don't know, like, when, am I supposed to do the next thing? Lama didn't tell me what to do, or, you know. 
So there's this kind of uh, in-between feeling, right? That's what you're practicing really towards because if you notice that and stay present to that, that's where the wisdom mind is going to go. But you can't take it for granted. You can't go, I'm going to get up. No, you, you have to like, it's generally, uh, it's a place of not knowing and uncomfortableness from a conventional point of view. Because we, our sense of normal self uh, and, you know, and our sense of kind of our Buddha nature self, whichever, whatever we think that is, uh, are on either side. So we're in this place of uh, non-projection, non-reification, non-elaboration. For most people, that's really scary, so we skip right over it. But we learn to tolerate, you know, you learn to tolerate that kind of uh, with a sense of interest, right? So the Tibetan for devotion, it's not a good translation because everyone thinks then, okay, now we've got to be all syrupy and religious, but Mopamba just means uh, open investigation, heartfelt investigation. You have to kind of like, okay, I'm willing, um, you know, reaching out in the darkness, I'm willing to kind of be with this place. While at the same time, those two polarities are, are kept in dynamic balance. And so you're looking like that. Yeah. And one more. about uh, uh, meditation. Yeah. Um, I, uh, this is a teaching meditation to a senior citizen. Right. Um, I put my mother in front of cat TV this morning, and she was very focused on the birds and the sounds. And she was very focused for a long time, and she was very, very relaxed and quite happy. She talked occasionally, and then she just sat with the sound. And sh- she knows I meditate every morning, and I sit with her and read scripture every morning uh, with her. Right. She reads a newspaper. And I was wondering, is there a, a delicate way to introduce her to meditation? I think she might engage in it. She liked bird. She liked bird TV. It really, yeah. really was. She was really very intent with it. Yeah. <laughs> so just ask a question. Just ask a question. Ask her a question. Yeah. About meditation or about no. bird TV or. About her. About her. Yeah. Just ask her a question. Yeah. What's your experience right now? Oh, okay. That's always it. Just point it out. That's always it. What's it? What's what's your right experience? Now? Yeah. Okay. What's your experience right now? That's always it. Okay. That's always a good question. Okay, that's good. That's yeah. great. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work really well. Uh, we need to take a, a break, and we'll come back for a short meditation. But the contrast is really important, and the contrast that allows uh, this openness, this intermediate state. So that's why. Um, we have to have two things going on here. We have to have like uh, religious dharma 
and uh, uh, you know, kind of a humanistic dharma at the same time, right? We have to do both at the same time. We need to have esoteric teachings, exoteric teachings. We need to have like secular and sacred, same time. Because we live in both worlds, right? We can't just say, well, it's going to be all secular. We won't use any, uh, we'll just be so ordinary. We, we won't use any Dharma terms. We can't be so religious that we're on the other side either and we're floating around. We, we need both. So we have Lines or Dharma Center is like 501c3 nonprofit with board, right? You can find it. <laughs> But Dona Darge, the union of sut- the flourishing of Sutra and Tantra, the name for the temple, you can't find it. It's not. Um, it's sacred world. You can't find it in the secular world. But we need to have both, right? So uh, that's really important. It's hard to do. Most most places go to either one side or the other, right? So we we want to go right down the middle. So can we take a 10-minute break, and those that want to have a meditation can come back, and those that need to go and prepare for a Super Bowl or something can back. <laughs> Thank you for being here. <clears throat> uh, a suggestion for uh, something to notice is uh, this. But you can do whatever you want, of course. Uh, the reason we sit still, or relatively still, or as still as we can, is we want to notice the contrast between the moving mind and, and stillness. So um, we, we, to develop wisdom, we don't try to stop the mind. I know we've all tried. <laughs> You don't want to do thought blocking or stop the mind, but you want to notice uh, that there's also something not moving. And uh, our cognitive faculty will kind of mirror our, our physical world. So in our tradition, one's body and mind are very connected, and it, it does make a difference to sit still. So people say, well, can't I just do walking meditation or swimming or bicycling or Tai Chi? And of course, but when we're moving the body, it's a little bit more difficult to see uh, the mind moving, and it's very difficult to, to see, uh, to balance them and see the contrast with, with uh, a bardo, with an in-between. So that's why we don't want to be stiff, but we really take a posture in a comfortable seat that uh, that's really like not moving so we don't have to take so much mental energy to move really so we can experience the mind moving and not moving at the same time that make sense? yeah Okay. This has been a Lion's Roar Dharma Center recording. For more information, visit lionsroardharmacenter.org.